Christ, bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this special privilege of gathering together to celebrate the birth of the Magnificent One. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us this year. Thank you for giving us this time and this space to remember your grace, which is an expression of your unerring love, Father. Thank you for moments in time like this that we're able to fellowship together as family, that you've brought together individuals from, you only know how many different backgrounds, Father, but we're encouraged by each other's faith. We're encouraged by each other's love. And we just embrace it all this Christmas season, Father. We're just so grateful for all of it. Our hearts and our spirit go out to those that can't be with us from this family this morning, that they too be encouraged, knowing that we are with them though not physically. Father, we pray also in this great time of need for those that are still lost, that haven't been humbled to the point of repentant faith. Father, we just pray for those individuals. Most of all, we thank you the work your son accomplished on the cross to make a morning like this a time of rejoicing, of remembrance. Father, we do just pray on this morning's message that it be edifying for our souls, that it build us up, that we be encouraged by it. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Sorry about that. Didn't even make the prayer. So, Christmas special. I hope you all received and read the latest blog. Here it is up here on the board. The Season of Encouragement. That was the most recent blog. Okay, now I've got an eyelash in my eye. Excuse me. Mine a killer, too. Portuguese eyelashes that are ruthless. Oof. The season of encouragement. As King Solomon once wrote, go to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. The season of encouragement. We've received so much encouragement over the last year or so on 
the topic of confidence. But Solomon says something extremely wise here. Enduring might be the best word. That it endures um, throughout all of human history. Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. For everything. That's everything. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say most things. It says everything. There's a season. And right now is the season of encouragement. Right now is the so-called Christmas season. It's when we take a special pause to remember the one who died for us, the one who was born to die for us. That's the season. There's a whole lot of white noise out there, folks. There's a whole lot of garbage that we're pelted with, a whole boatload of lies. Um, and I just pray that you are all delivered from that this season. We have all been given the greatest gift of all time. The greatest gift. We have every reason to celebrate this Christmas. We have every reason to rejoice. And we have every reason to be encouraged. So before we even dig into this morning's Christmas special message, just think of all the confidence even the good Lord has instilled in us over the past Six months, that's been the stretch of the Lord is Our Confidence series. It began back in June. Time flies, doesn't it? June. Some of you are like, no. It seems like May. February, maybe. <laughs> I can't believe it. June. So many good things have come from this ministry um, so many blessings, and I can see them manifest in your lives. People just making sound decisions about their lives. People just rejoicing uh, for the simple reason of being alive and being given another day to bring glory to God. And none of that would be possible without Jesus. That's the whole point. Ugh. So, this really is the season of encouragement. With that said, I want to begin with the story that gives us the... The one good thing about crying is it flushes out eyelashes. <laughs> Come on, baby. Maybe he's doing me a favor. Let's begin with the story that gives us the reason for our celebration this morning. And I was thinking about last night as well. Go to Luke 2.1. Luke 2 verse 1. <clears throat> Luke 2.1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, 
which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Whew. This is the season for encouragement. I'm so encouraged by that. I'm so in love with it. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, 
He was born to die, born to sacrifice. I think one way into uh, this celebration is to think sometimes how easy it is to forget what God sacrificed. It's easy to forget what God sacrificed. Do you get it? What God sacrificed. I think we humans have short attention spans. Amen? <laughs> I wonder if uh, we didn't have Christmas celebration, if, we would, if some of us would never pause like this. That we would just be in that perpetual hamster wheel we call life. Do you know what I'm saying? I just think we have short attention spans and we just forget how much God sacrificed. I think we tend to focus on all the things that we have to give up or we supposedly have given up to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We make it about us. Scott and I were talking about this the other day. It's, everything's about us. We take everything good and we pervert it. God saves us. God sacrifices, comes down out of heaven, sacrifices himself, dies for our sins, not his, ours, and we pervert it. We say, look at how much I gave up to follow him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And we live that way. And it's because of those maladies that we suffer and we're miserable. At times like this, when you think about it, how does any Christian even have a right to be anything but rejoicing this season? So I think we tend to focus on all the things that we have given up to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we allow our fleshes to carry us back to the days of old when we were lawless. And feel free to make the connection to the law aspects of the messages as of late. Again, I think sometimes we allow our fleshes to carry us back to the days of old when we were lawless. In fact, I'd argue that this is often our silent preoccupation. How might I say this? Well, for starters, whenever one of my sheep is aching or hurting or complaining about this or that, the suffering always traces back to some form of self-centeredness some lack of remembrance. Somehow that person has forgotten of all the things to actually be grateful for. And some of you are like, yeah, but some of that is so-called undeserved suffering. So you still have the option to celebrate all the things that you do have. So again... Whenever one of my sheep is aching or hurting or complaining about this or that, the suffering always traces back to self-centeredness somehow, to some longing for something fleshly, you know, something of old, a little preoccupation. I know this because in each and every case, if the person is honest and humble, they tell me, guess what? I was stuck in wrong thinking about that. That is always the case, bar never, bar none always the case. If someone's being totally honest and totally transparent, 
after they're delivered, it's always the same. My, my head was in the wrong place. I realize that now. They typically don't use language like silent preoccupation. That might be mine, but they're saying the same thing. And so they just need a little jolt, like a Christmas special message. Something to snap them out of it. And lo and behold, with this change in perspective, they are delivered. That's the most beautiful thing about deliverance. It's just a change of perspective away, which takes that long. Just a change of perspective. So getting back to my opening statement, I think sometimes it's easy to forget what God sacrificed. In contrast, we sort of specialize in self-importance and how much we supposedly sacrifice in our lives. And we suffer for it. Do we really spend enough time pondering how much God has sacrificed for us? Do we really spend enough time on that? Let us remember, shall we? Go to Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5. Celebration has no real magnitude or no substance to it unless you remember the object, right? Unless you fully take in view the object, the one you're celebrating. Philippians 2.5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us remember, shall we? This Christmas, let us be encouraged by the memory of our Lord's sacrifice. Let us shed all of our self-absorption this year. Let us shed all of our self-absorption this year. Let us find that place in our soul where our good memories are sharp and clear and our fleshly ones die in the mud. Let me help you, let me help usher you to this place this morning through Holy Scripture. Go to Romans 5, verse 6. Romans 5, verse 6. It's time to remember. It's the season for it. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let us remember, shall we? Is it getting clearer now? Is the precious word of God getting through to you yet? Is all the white noise and the extra traffic and the long lines at the stores this week fading away to insignificance yet? Are you beginning to refocus on the big picture? I'm going to help some more with Holy Scripture. Allow me to remind you of how God does this good work for us. That is, what the actual device is that he uses to deliver us. Go to John 17, 16. John 17, 16. How shall we remember? And in our remembrance, how shall we be delivered? John 17, 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And here's Jesus' prayer, verse 17. Sanctify them. Sanctify. Sanctification means to set them apart for your purposes, for good purpose. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. That's Jesus' prayer. Equip them, Father with the truth. So far, already this morning, you've heard, you've heard a lot of truth, haven't you? Are you not being sanctified as I speak? Is not the holy God of the universe calling you to himself? And as this transforming of your mind occurs, are you not encouraged? Might we even conclude that reading our Bible during Christmas celebration brings us real joy? Go to 1 John 1.4. 1 John 1.4. John 1 verse 4. And we are writing these things. Why? Why capture the word of truth? Why? So that our joy may be complete. I'm thinking of um, that joy to the world, you know. That's joy. That's the season. I wonder how many people know what John was even writing about here. 
this joy, this transcendent joy, that sharing the truth is the essence of it, that you don't, you don't abide in that joy unless you have the truth. Jesus Christ prayed for it. Sanctify them in your truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Have we so soon forgotten the Spirit is reminding us all this morning of the simple things in life, starting with the following up here on the board. 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For those of you with the NASB, you're probably more familiar simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's what he's saying. He says that's what the season's all about. Christmas is a time set aside for focusing on the simple things. The things that transcend our pilgrimage here on earth. All of which has been made possible because of one man's sacrifice. And here's a hint for you. It's not you or your sacrifice. That's what he wants us to remember. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I think what the Spirit's saying here is that in order to fully enjoy this Christmas celebration, we must first embrace his sacrificial gift on the cross. If you want to understand, if you want to enjoy Christmas the way it was meant to be enjoyed, you have to first Embrace the sacrificial gift that he made on the cross. Let us remember. And this remembrance will be like a knife that cuts through all of the distractions out there in the world. And it's like a lighthouse to us that takes us back to port safely. God loves us enough to keep the light lit. Like back in the old days when a lighthouse keeper had to man the light itself 
and not let it go out. Lest the seamen, returning to port, lose their way, and even worse, crash on the rocks. God loves us enough to keep the lighthouse lamp burning bright, enough for all of us to make our way back safely. And like the seagoers of old who appreciated the salvation and the deliverance that the lighthouse represented, we appreciate God's light in our lives. In fact, we love Him for it. Go to 1 John 4.19. We love Him for it. We love that He's doing this thing for us this morning. This is a grace gift. This is not Pastor Ed. This is a grace gift to you. And we should love Him for it. He's bringing you all back to port. 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. He sent the light into the world. It was humiliating for Him. He sent the light into the world to guide us back to port. Jesus Christ said He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We are all born ships lost at sea. Jesus Christ, by His own words, said that He came to seek and to save those that are lost. That He was born to die for our sins. In fact, the Bible literally refers to Him as the light of the world. Up here on the board, John 1, 4-5. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, we love because He first loved us. I like the way McDonald's speaks to 1 John 4.19. Such wonderful love draws our hearts out to Him in return. We say, you have bled and died for me. From now on, I will live for you. This should be our focus this Christmas. Living for Christ. Loving Him. Remembering why He was even born. Love. As the blog also stated up here on the board, I'll give you an excerpt from that. God loved us so much, He became a man. What a humiliating prospect. In order to reconcile us to Himself, love, my friends, this ought to be our focal point this Christmas season. Not presents, not food, not even family gatherings, strictly speaking. Love. Keep it. Treasure it. Abide in it. I'm going to close up now before we depart with another hymn. Go to uh, Matthew 1.18. Matthew 1.18. Matthew 1.18. Verse 
verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I just want to read a short poem for the sake of perspective. Don't know this person. Mike Bullock. It's called If. If you understand the ceaseless love I have in my heart for you, love that forgives so many things through Jesus that I view. When you would know that I chose you with all the faults you carry, you are the one whom I adore. With you I want to tarry. Perhaps you are afraid of me. You think that I am stern. Look at Jesus. He is me. My anger doesn't burn. I want to spend my time with you. Come quickly to my throne. I am your father. You are my child. I can't leave you alone. And just, I'm glad I put this in here because this is my own pathetic little poem. Ready? <laughs> little four-liner. Not to be outdone. Let's remember, shall we? Let's remember, shall we? Let us love as a result, okay? Let us step back, maybe, and let us rejoice this day. Let's read one more passage. Go to 2 Corinthians 9, 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. And then, Scott, so you don't get confused again, we're going to sing right after this. So get prepared. <laughs> I'm just doing squats over there. I don't know what you're doing. He's over there going like this. Yes? No? 2 Corinthians 9.15. Simply said, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Some of you have indescribable, right? English Standard Version says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Indescribable gift. Amen? Amen. All right, let's sing as unto the Lord. <laughs>